Hello, everyone, and welcome to the AMR Action Podcast. I am Danny Peters, Senior Advisor to the Canadian Antimicrobial Innovation Coalition, a nonprofit organization dedicated to advancing biomedical innovation as a key solution to combating antimicrobial resistance. I am very pleased to have my esteemed guests here today from the National Research Council of Canada's Human Health Therapeutic Centre. In our session, we will discuss the exciting research that NRC investigators are advancing in the fight against AMR. In addition, I look forward to discussing opportunities for partnerships with NRC, which I know will be of interest to our listeners in the private sector and academia. Without further ado, I will introduce our guests. Sue Twine, Acting Director General, Human Health Therapeutics Research Centre, Danielle Peters, Research Associate, Human Health Therapeutics Research Centre, and Alyssa McAdory, Research Associate from the Human Health Therapeutics Research Centre. And for all those who might be noticing, yes, Danielle and I have the same name. Uh, the Human Health Therapeutics uh, Centre hosts the largest research and development team dedicated to biologics development in Canada, helping its partners to accelerate and de-risk the drug development pathway through, pre through preclinical research support. Uh, through engagement with a variety of partners and stakeholders, HHTC provides collaborative research, technical expertise, and advisory services, service agreements in biomanufacturing, and bioprocess engineering, and technology transfer. And we'll get into this in greater detail in our podcast today. So I'm going to start by asking questions um, directed to Danielle and Alyssa regarding their research. So Danielle and Alyssa, tell me about the research that you do and, and what drew you to it. Um, I guess we'll start with Danielle and then go to Alyssa. Yeah, hi. Thank you so much, Danny, for having us on the podcast. This is a really exciting opportunity. Um, so I actually started uh, gaining interest in phage and phage therapy in grade six uh, of all times. So I um, read a book called Killer Germs, and it had a section called The Viral Good Guys. And from that point, I became very interested in antimicrobial resistance and uh, just different ways of tackling that. Um, so at that point, I thought I was gonna be a phage therapist, but uh, by the time I, I went through undergrad, uh, we definitely weren't there yet. So I went into a PhD in microbiology and biotechnology at the University of Alberta. And there I isolated and characterized various kinds of phage. Um, the main target for me was Stenotrophomonas multophilia, which is a uh, gram-negative bacterium that can cause a lot of uh, AMR problems with CF patients, as well as just immunocompromised individuals. So from that point, um, I was, yeah, researching my dream job, kind of, uh, and I went and graduated. I did a postdoc for a bit in a microbiome lab uh, and learned some metaproteomic techniques, which was very interesting. Um, and at that point in time, I actually was approached by Dr. Chen uh, to work on an AMR project with the NRC. So from that point, I have joined about a year and a half ago, and uh, we've been working tirelessly to isolate and characterize phage and look at different techniques um, and applications of phage enzymes that we can use. Very exciting. So start, it started with a book when you were young and then you ended up realizing your dream. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Lisa, how, how about your journey? How did you end up in working in AMR? So I actually uh, began my journey at Brock University where I did my Bachelor of Science in Biochemistry. 
I just kind of uh, naturally transitioned into biotechnology, which um, I'm very grateful for now. It seems to be a great fit for me. Um, and about halfway through my master's degree, um, I was approached by my PI uh, and this opportunity came about for me to come to the NRC here in Ottawa uh, to work on the AMR project. Uh, and the reason why the opportunity came around for me uh, is because I have a lot of interest in microbes, um, but I also have the necessary background in the chemistry as well. And so I was really excited by the opportunity. I've been here for about one year now and have since transitioned um, into a PhD program. Um, and the work that I do here is uh, quite different from Danielle, but uh, also very exciting. And so uh, what I do here uh, under the supervision of Dr. Wei Zhu is we are currently um, designing and testing some different lipid nanoparticles. Um, and it's kind of um, a two-step approach. The first step is to design the nanoparticles um, such that we can encapsulate bacteria or sorry, antibiotics uh, within the nanoparticle. Mm -hmm. And the second step is we're exploring different ligands that we can attach to the surface of the nanoparticles that will selectively bind to the bacteria that we're looking to target. And so the idea there is that it will bind selectively to the bacteria that you're uh, trying to treat for the infection. Uh, and then antibiotics will be released, uh, hopefully only at the site of infection. And uh, this would be uh, really cool. And we've made some really great progress. Uh, yeah. That's very exciting. That's very, very exciting. I know we've, I've learned more about liquid nanoparticles over, you know, COVID-19, looking at learning about the mRNA vaccines, now knowing about how we can apply it and fight against AMR. That's very exciting. They've absolutely gained some traction there with the mRNA vaccines. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. Um, so, 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 Danielle, how does your how does your research um, carry the potential uh, to address the public that against AMR? Because you know we, we hear phage. You know, how how is this how is this a tool? So, uh, phage have actually been used in treatment for before uh, the dawn of antibiotic use. Um, it's just people didn't really know how to work with them appropriately back then. So we were using them against the wrong bacterial targets. Um, but the Republic of Georgia has been uh, using them for many years and are pros at uh, treating various uh, bacterial infections with phage. So because of the giant crisis we're facing with so many different AMR pathogens, um, we can't, we're not developing antibiotics fast enough. So these are natural predators to bacteria and they're constantly evolving with bacteria. So the bacterium will become resistant and the phage will evolve to be able to infect that bacterium again. So phage are very um, promising in their, their treatment potential um, as well as their enzymes. So phage encode various enzymes to be able to like degrade the um, capsule to reach the receptor. Uh, so these can actually be used as well in a therapeutic sense. Um, and you can also use uh, the enzymes that the phage uses to break out of the cell as a therapeutic as well. So phage and their uh, enzymes are very important, I think, to research right now uh, to try to address the AMR crisis because we can easily isolate them from the environment and uh, characterize them 
um, and use them in therapy. So I think it's, yeah, it's definitely a promising um, answer to our, our crisis right now with antimicrobial resistance. It's almost like almost could you look at it as almost like a safety net that if we if the antibiotics, uh, you know, because we're relying so much on anti antibiotics that if we have phage therapy, advanced phage therapy, it's, it's something that we can use. It's sort of that, you know, it's, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's yeah been quite a few uh, cases where people have a pan resistant infection and they'll actually go to the Republic of Georgia for phage wow. treatment. Um, that's changed now that uh, the United States has the IPATH Center for Phage Therapeutics in San Diego. Mm -hmm. um, so all of that is um, just really highlighting how phage, people are changing their views on phage and the potential of therapy with phage. Because yeah, it's been working so well in the Republic of Georgia, and now like Australia is jumping on board, Belgium, France, like it's it's really spreading um, across the globe as a potential answer to treat bacterial infections now. That's fantastic. It's very encouraging, and and encouraging the work that you're doing at kind of putting Canada on the map in terms of phage therapy. So that's that's great. Um, Alyssa, from your perspective, where do you see your research going? You know, what can we what can we look forward to? And and also, you know, looking back to you know, what how can it how, how can the work that you're doing address the public threat of AMR? And where is it going? Sure. So I'll start uh, by answering where we uh, hope for it to go. And so we're hoping um, and we're working towards kind of a plug and play model where the ligand um, on the surface of your nanoparticle, uh, uh, you can kind of pick and choose what's appropriate in your setting. Uh, especially in a hospital setting, you often don't actually know what the specific bacteria causing the infection is. And so it would be nice to have um, kind of uh, a catch-all with, with several ligands that we can use um, to target different bacteria. And um, to answer uh, how this can address the threat of AMR. Um, so AMR, uh, as we all know, stems from the uh, abuse and overuse of antibiotics. And so this technology uh, that we're developing promises uh, much lower dosages um, for treatment mm -hmm. um, and therefore some uh, lower liver toxicity, hopefully, we expect. And uh, with all of that said, um, you will use less antibiotics, and therefore we uh, expect that we might be able to, to revive some older antibiotics that have been abandoned due to liver toxicity, given that you'll need a much lower dose. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was thinking of these older ones that are just have that high high toxicity. And unfortunately, in Canada, we're relying on these older ones now because we don't have the newer ones uh, available. And so if we can breathe some some new life into the older ones, um, particularly for patients that rely on these older ones and those ones that are left that work, um, it's very important. So um, that's very exciting. Um, so, so to both of you, you know, collaboration is so important to all areas of, of research, uh, particularly when we're looking at, at AMR. And I know, Danielle, it's interesting you're talking about Republic of Georgia and sort of international collaboration as well. But where, you know, where do you see um, lessons learned from your experience in, in collaboration? And, and where, um, where are the opportunities also in terms of domestic and international collaboration? So um, maybe, uh, Danielle, I'll go to you and then Alyssa. Absolutely. So um, we have really 
benefited from collaborations actually, um, getting the phase research in this lab up and running so quickly um, and generating data so quickly um, has only been possible because of the collaborations that we've had. So um, we have a couple collaborations in the United States uh, with Emory and with uh, UCLA and they are experts at what they do and I'm definitely not a uh, person who mutates a lot of bacteria so those collaborations have allowed us to gain access to mutants that we wouldn't have for screening receptors. Mm -hmm. um, we also have collaborations with uh, Dr. Sylvain Monod and he is a Canadian expert for sure in uh, phage so Having these different collaborations has really enabled us to uh, move forward quickly in this project in this area specifically. So it's, yeah, I, I believe collaboration is fundamental to science and pushing um, different projects forward. Great. Melissa, how about you? What is your experience with um, collaboration, either domestic or international? So with this project, there uh, is a lot to consider. We have to both build up these nanoparticles and discover different ligands. And so we're actually collaborating um, quite a lot on this project. I know that we're currently collaborating with three different NRC research centers, but also um, with some university labs. Uh, for example, um, my previous PI uh, is working on some of the ligand work for us. Um, and so, yeah, collaboration is really important to this project. There's so much to consider um, with like formulation, characterization, even stability testing of these nanoparticles. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of people working on it. That's great. Well, that's a thing. And as I said, the, um, the more that also we can turn Canada in, in, to a leader in, in AMR research, the work that you're doing on the front lines and bring these two groups together. We're, we're so grateful for the work that you're doing and it's it's just inspiring and um, be able to celebrate uh, the, just, and again, just what you're contributing uh, in, this, in this area and what NRC is doing. Um, so, so with that, we're gonna transition over to speaking to Sue, because I think that, you know, one of the areas we have researchers working, but also there's opportunities for partnerships for, uh, you know, for either, biotech companies who, who might be part of our members or, or groups that are watching and also academia. So what, what role does NRC play in fostering innovation um, in AMR today? And, and how does NRC collaborate with other government departments? So thank you, that's a really good question. So I think NRC, we are a government funded organization. So what I find unique about NRC is we, we span the value chain of developments right from early stage R&D through to the ability to translate to work with companies and to commercialize. And when I say commercialization, I mean, we need to work with partners because anything we develop, we actually need to get two people, which is where there is the benefit. And our mandate really is increase the uh, improve the wellness of Canadians for the future. And we know that for all of the big challenges of this century, as uh, both Daniel and Alyssa said, collaboration is essential. So we have um, some research programs where we, it makes it a lot easier for us to collaborate with universities and support their research as, as both have highlighted here. And that I think is really fundamental to tackling challenges like AMR, because I think it's these, these challenges are so big, we need diversity of ideas, um, 
domestically and internationally to really make rapid progress. And we've seen that from the last two and a half years of the pandemic, the power of bringing different ideas, different groups together to really tackle one of these big problems. And AMR, I think, is going to be our next really big sort of silent pandemic. Mm -hmm. So we have programs that are structured where we can support partners. We have uh, programs where we can bring in students and postdocs and research associates. So we've got the best and the brightest minds coming to us to research uh, work on projects here. We have internal research programs where we keep innovating, we keep pushing the envelope. Um, and also we uh, work uh, very closely with our industry research ass assistance program. That's another branch of NRC, which will provide support to small and medium enterprises to encourage them to work um, with these critical areas, sometimes with NRC and sometimes uh, with other uh, bodies or other universities to really try and make sure that we're working together as Canadians to make sure we've got a, a pipeline of therapeutics for the future. That's fantastic. And, and with respect to AMR, and you, and you spoke about this, about the, the importance of partnerships, the ability of NRC uh, to, to position to play this play this role um, in, in AMR. I, you say as a silent pandemic, where do you see this going into the future as well? So, you know, how, how is NRC positioned uh, to be playing this um, central role? Again, a good question. I NRC, I think we have an enduring history of research in infectious diseases, so we have a lot of foundational expertise. Um, and we are, can be somewhat agile, so we also have very good partnerships with other government departments because we know in terms of the One Health model of AMR, yeah. we work closely with the Canadian Food Inspection Agency, with the Public Health Agency, uh, with the Tri-Councils, and we're always looking for ways to work scientifically, or, but also to enable science, to enable how we can fund research, support research in different ways, uh, really to bring... So sort of act as a hub to bring research together in Canada and looking at different ways we can do that for, for now and also for the future. And there's going to be a lot of change post-pandemic as we start to look for how we stay prepared for the future uh, domestically. Well, I see. I see it because, because the AMR challenge is... I think one of the challenges is that their areas are, are so siloed. You know, so the ability of NRC to bring those areas of, you mentioned the One Health approach, I bring those yeah. areas of research together. There's just tremendous potential there. So, yeah. um, so that, that's fantastic. Um, so if, if someone wants to partner with um, NRC, either NRC investigator or um, to address these, you know, to kind of partner together to address these uh, challenges, how, how, to, how, do they, how do they go about that? There's probably a hundred different ways to do that. So I always say go to our website. Um, there are some contact names on our website and they might be uh, expertise leads or sometimes our business contacts. Absolutely feel free to reach out to those people. If they're not the right people, if there's a particular expertise, we're very collaborative at NRC. We try and connect each other to the right people. If you know a particular investigator, reach out to Danielle and Alyssa. These, these are really, really good experts to start with and to start that conversation. Uh, and again, it's, it's just starting the conversation and we will we always work together to try and make sure that whatever the question is, they get to the right person to answer that question. That could be a researcher, it could be a department lead, it could be a program lead, it could be a business development uh, expertise. So just reach out and start the conversation. 
That's great. Well, what we're going to have in the show notes, we are going to have some links um, to uh -huh. uh, the website. So uh, those of you that are interested, um, which I'm sure you will be, uh, to be able to look uh, for more information, to be able to connect um, with the right uh, contact. But um, we're just so thrilled with the work that NRC is doing and the fight against AMR. It's important for our listeners to know, um, you know what, what our government is, is supporting and, and also opportunities for um, outside groups to partner with NRC um, in the fight against AMR. Um, thank you so much to all of you, uh, uh, Sue, Danielle, Alyssa, for joining today, and thanks for all the work that you're doing. Um, we, we look forward to seeing um, the results of your research. We know it will continue to uh, progress further, and, um, and we'll see you uh, next time. So thanks so much for joining today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Danny.